Hello, hello, everyone, and welcome to Jim Was Cancelled, a Buffy podcast. I am Jess. And I am Stosh. I'm Dean. <laughs> and today we are talking about <laughs> Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Season 3, Episode 12, Helpless. Helpless. Before we get started, Stosh, do you have any clarifications or corrections that you'd like to make? I'm just sorry if you can hear the music my neighbors are playing in the audio of this. Hopefully I'll be able to get it out, though. You also may hear a dog bark at some point during our episode, because we're also joined by Malcolm! Malcolm! <laughs> Cute. <laughs> I don't have any corrections either. Dean, do you have any clarifications or corrections from your last episode? Or anyone else's episode? I did when I was watching this this episode, but I forgot. Okay. Well. Perfect. I guess it's summary time. It is summary time. We start with Buffy and Angel doing some sparring. Yeah. In Angel's house, I guess. But there's no satisfaction. <laughs> also, Buffy gives him a leg sweep so fucking hard he does a barrel roll in the air. <laughs> Well, yeah, she's super powerful. We really got to emphasize how powerful she is at the beginning of this episode. It's important for later. <laughs> I like to think that wasn't a stunt double. <laughs> just David Boreanaz doing a fucking flip? Yeah. I don't know or that it was. Spin. But I bet he could do it. Maybe. Maybe. But Angel wants to see Buffy over the weekend. For her birthday. For her birthday, but she's got plans with her dad. Who's not a piece of shit. Yeah, in theory. <laughs> <laughs> they have a they have a tradition that didn't come up during her 17th birthday, but is coming up during this birthday. <laughs> it was my first note was Buffy's dad's a piece of shit. <laughs> I didn't even remember how it turned out, but I was like, I get the vibe. That this isn't going to work out. He's a piece of shit. That's hilarious. Then it goes to the library. Where Giles is doing some hippie bullshit. Yeah, he's pulling out some crystals for Buffy. Some amethyst in particular this time. Yeah. You didn't even ask her her sign. What the fuck, Giles? Her sign? Yeah, astrology. Oh. It goes hand in hand with crystals. Oh. What kind of basic white girl are you? You need to know these things. <laughs> Holy shit. You're dropping the ball here. <laughs> yeah. We rely on you for this kind of stuff. <laughs> well, we... <laughs> I brought up Taylor Swift a couple of times on our podcast, and I told Stosh, not on our podcast, but after our last recording, I was like, "These our listeners are going to be like, why are we talking about Taylor Swift all of a sudden, and how do we get her to stop? <laughs> but yeah, Giles is, is, is quizzing Buffy on crystals. What, what Amethyst does. Yeah. It cleanses the soul and does something else. I don't remember what the other one was. Yeah, and Buffy was like, how do you know if your soul is dirty? And I was like, how do you know if your soul is dirty? Oh Ask Angel. Yeah. I guess that's I mean, a good point. You just hang out with people who can see your soul, right? I think they said aura, not soul. Well, you didn't say aura, I think. Yeah. But. Maybe, Either way. Maybe Buffy should buy Angel some amethysts for Christmas. I don't think he's gonna. Probably not. So then we get the intro? No, then she, it cuts to her fighting a vampire. Yeah, and she gets all dizzy and she almost loses. There was like a weird ringing in her head. Yeah. Which I thought was going to be more prevalent than it was. Well, it was, it was the start of her physical decline. 
Yeah, but there was never, it never like called back like to there being a ringing in her head. That's true. I missed the ringing in her head. It, yeah, so she's like about to stake him and then like it starts and she like kind of zones out for a second. Clearly it, she's like in pain. Mm-hmm. Then she gets dizzy and then he gets the upper hand on her and he's going to stake her. And, and then, then we get the intro. I think I was busy writing down, Buffy has a prefabricated stake. I was very happy with her. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed, but it's like sanded down. It's got a little hilt at the end, or a pommel at the end. I It didn't occur to me that that was different from before, but I did notice like This it. is much better. This isn't just like a broken table leg or something. <laughs> Good job, Buffy. Hilarious. Dean is finally satisfied. Well, I mean, it could have been longer, but... But yeah, the credits happen in like the middle of that fight, and then it ends with her getting to stake him. Well, she doesn't stake him. He jumps on her while she's holding the stake up. Oh, yeah. You remember I commented on that, too? You did comment Like, that's very convenient for her. Yeah. Polite of the vampire. My headcanon is that he was embarrassed that he was so close and botched it, so he decided to kill himself. (laughs) I could see it. So Buffy has to tell Giles that something's wrong with her. Yeah, because she can't fucking nail any of these knives she's trying to throw at the target. Yeah. And Giles brushes her off like a giant bitch. Yeah, he's like, My it's guy. fine. He was definitely treating her like a dick this whole episode. Yeah, no. Yeah. I. And it was well, weird until you got the reveal. Yeah. But. I am glad that they didn't really like postpone the reveal. They did it pretty early on. I thought that this was going to be like a Spider-Man 2 thing. Which was? He like lost his powers because he was like depressed. Oh. I think that was 2. It might have been 3. I think that was 2. It was one of the Sam Raimi ones. We just watched them. Is that the Tobey Maguire movies? Yeah. Yeah, anyway, that's the kind of thing I thought was going on here. Yeah. She was like just like in an emotional funk and it was affecting her powers. Wow. That's wrong. I know. But we'll get there. That would have made me made me happier just because this episode makes me so angry. Yeah, I, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> so yeah, then she goes to hang lunch. out with her friends. I don't know if it's lunch or what. No, it I is. guess it's not. They're just they're just sitting at a table chatting. Yeah. But Buffy's talking about how she and her dad have plans to go to the ice ice brigade. Some it's like a show on ice. Yeah. I don't remember what. The she ice might show. have just said ice show. Yeah. Maybe. Because then Willow brought up that she went to see Barney on ice. It would have been Charlie Brown. No, she didn't say Charlie. Snoopy. 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 I was gonna yeah. say she said she threw up on Woodstock or almost threw up on Woodstock, and Woodstock is from Charlie Brown. Yeah, no, she said Snoopy, and I picked yeah. the wrong thing. Regardless, my first quote is from this scene. Mine is too, but you go ahead. It's Oz. He says, "Ice is cool. It's water, but it's not." <laughs> that did make me laugh. <laughs> Uh, no, mine's Willow, because she says, you're turning 18, you can vote, or get drafted, or vote not to get drafted. <laughs> I, I noted that Oz is super chill to still be able to hang out with Xander. Once again, a paragon of humanity. In the reverse, in high school, I could not have done that. <laughs> Even if I somehow miraculously made up with my girlfriend... I could not have hung out with the dude she cheated on me with. Yeah, I think I would have, and but I wouldn't have been cool about it like Oz. Like there would have been no. a bunch of passive aggressive no. shit happening and lots of tension. I, I would not have been but, chill about. Yeah. I wouldn't have done it. I would have been a bitch the entire time. It w- it wouldn't be pretty. I would start a fight. Like I said, Oz is a paragon of humanity. Chill as fuck. 
Yeah, they never, I mean, they sort of addressed it in the last episode because Xander was all paranoid that Oz had an issue with him. But, like, yeah, but Oz didn't have an issue with him and they Oz. never picked it up. Yeah. So. Because I think Oz just gets it. Like, it's it's not about Xander. It's about Willow and her willingness to be faithful or not. Right. <laughs> it would be about my rage. <laughs> yeah. That's, for me. I mean. It's hard for it to be about anything else, especially, like, as an adult, it's hard for it to be about anything else. So, for a teenager, like... Oh, yeah. It's almost unbelievable. (laughs) Yeah. And then, if we don't have anything else on that scene, she goes home. Yeah. All excited for Dad to pick her up. And he's bailing on her. But he sent flowers. He did send flowers. And a letter that Joyce read. Inappropriate. I don't know. Maybe he, like, wrote it, wrote her a letter, like... If it was an open-faced letter, like on a card, yeah, that's one thing. But if she had to physically open the card, it looked like it was it, open-faced. It did. And I still feel like that's inappropriate. But. I almost feel like it wasn't written on the card so much as he called Joyce and said, "Hey, I'm not coming." Joyce said out loud, "It's all in the letter. You yeah, can read it." <laughs> but I, I, this is my head cannon, Stosh, because I'm a product of divorced parents and. My parents had conversations like this. I'm almost certain. He called Joyce up and said, I'm not coming to Buffy's birthday. And she said, you're going to have to explain that. And he was like, I'll write her a letter, but this is what's going on. So that's why Joyce knew what was going on and told Buffy to read the letter. Guess that's practical. It still implied she read the letter because she knew for sure it was in there. (laughs) Yeah. Granted, it doesn't matter. Buffy didn't read it. She folded it up and threw it away. (laughs) Yeah, she didn't care. For this, I just drew an arrow from Buffy's dad is a piece of shit and wrote, yep. (laughs) (laughs) Called it. Dean knew. Um, Also, Buffy brings up Brian Boitano. That's the first time I've ever heard his name outside of South Park. So in the movie, they have a song called What Would Brian Boitano Do? He's an Olympic skater. Oh, okay. Then it switches to some ominous plotting. Between people we later learn are named Watson, Blair, and Quentin. Okay. I don't really have anything to say on that. Other than that, there's just like some ominous stuff happening. I didn't even write it down. Is this where they're bricking up windows and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, and they say the Slayer's almost ready or something. This is irrelevant and and not even a real criticism of these people, but it, it just bothered me that they're bricking up the window, but they don't knock the window out. So it's just like bricks behind a window. And I, it's just like from the outside, that's going to look super weird. Yeah. I feel like I've seen things like that before, though. I just It's stupid, but I, I don't think it's unrealistic. I just, yeah, I just hate it personally. <laughs> but, I I, but I don't, I, <laughs> it's not super unrealistic. Then we go back to Giles with more crystals. And Buffy wants him to take her to the ice show. Yeah, and he's just not listening. And she makes it so clear, too. Yeah. It was almost sad to like. I was really sad watching this scene. <laughs> yeah, I was like, what was is terrible. going on with Giles? <laughs> it heightened the betrayal of this scene because we find out Giles is poisoning her in this scene. Yeah. And like, it's clear that what, because Buffy's mom was like, I'll take you. And she said, no, it's fine. But she wanted Giles to take her. And it was like clear that she was already thinking of him as like a surrogate father or like a yeah. replacement for her dad. Well, and she has been for a long time, I'm sure. Doesn't she, like, straight up call him father figure in in this scene? Yeah, a father figure or 
Or so, someone some, would take their daughter or their student or their slayer. Yeah. yeah. Savage. It's I mean, it's very cl- on the nose. It is yeah. clear in the first scene with Giles that something was up with him, but mm-hmm. this is just icing on the cake. This is just it's a drop in a bucket of water to come. Yeah. Just. Is this this is the scene where he where he injects her? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I found it very hard to watch. It's just because of like the betrayal. I don't have a problem with yeah. needles, but I wrote I way no over the line, Giles. Unforgivable. Yeah. It's, I wrote now this is betrayal. <laughs> I because I remember defending Jenny to you and yeah. Chelsea. Yeah. And <laughs> well, I was like, but this is worse. This than is Jenny. This is invasive to someone's body. This mm-hmm. is really mm-hmm. fucked up. Mm-hmm. It is. It's it's outlandishly. Yeah. Unacceptable. Super fucked up. Then it switches to Buffy asking Willow how Amy is doing. <laughs> yeah, Amy the rat. Yeah. And she was like, oh, she likes her wheel. <laughs> I think she said something about finding food she liked or something, too. Yeah. My note for that scene is just Amy the rat, brown face. <laughs> yeah, but Willow's still trying to find a solution on that one. And then they witness some dude being, like, aggressive towards Cordelia. Oh, yeah, that makes sense. I was reading my next note, and it just says, bro, fuck that guy. And yeah. I was like, I don't remember what that was a reference to, goddammit. I'm a little upset with the whole Scooby gang for not just getting up as one. You know, it's not like Buffy's job always. Like, when none of you got up, but Buffy? It makes sense that Buffy is originally the only one to get up, because usually she's so strong, she can just take care of it. Sure. But once he, like, pushes her down... Everyone else should get up to fuck that guy up. <laughs> <laughs> well, they probably were shocked. Like, oh, that's true. Yeah, I guess you're right. Cordelia can handle it herself anyway. When she, she once can. she realizes Buffy's not an option. Yeah, she does. But it was nice to see that Cordelia could hold her own against him if Buffy hadn't interfered. I mean, she at least had the spirit to fight back. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say. I think if he really wanted to, he could have sure yeah. made that situation a lot more violent. He was already making it too violent to begin with. Yeah, it was definitely really creepy. Yeah. Yeah. Over the line aggressive. Absolutely. I prefer uh, that than Giles stabbing me with fucking drugs, but. Especially just because she embarrassed him in front of his posse. Yeah. <laughs> posse. <laughs> then Buffy finds Giles in the hallway again and freaks out. There are quite a few times where Buffy goes to Giles freaking out and he kind of just like brushes her off. This one was, it threw me off that. She was like, I hit like, and she didn't know what to say. And he was like, like a girl. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck was that? Like, yeah, I know. <laughs> they're not making you be like- misogynistic too. <laughs> well, and he comes from a specific organization that helps girls. Yeah. yeah. Who are already super strong. It was yeah. so weird and felt really it out of felt, Yeah, it felt weird. That li- Yeah, that line really threw like me. Like he was intentionally trying to break her down. And she was like, no. I'll tell you right now, that's the most 90s thing I noticed because no one would say something like that today, I feel like. I don't feel like he would have said it back then. I don't feel like Giles would have said it, but I get, I'm guessing it didn't feel out of place to 90s watchers. Maybe. Like viewers of the show. Maybe less, but I feel like there's definitely people that would say that today. There are. Yeah. I, but not on TV. I will say that. Yeah, that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, true. Like, not on TV. But I definitely know a lot of guys that still talk like that or work with, I should say. But they're, they tr- they're trying to change that narrative in the media and stuff now. So it, they wouldn't like talk about it like it's every day. Yeah, that's fair. Then it, then it goes to Giles having doubts talking to Quentin. 
They're talking about how it's a tradition, and he says it's an archaic exercise in cruelty. But he's not wrong. No, I really liked that. I was struck by the arbitrary nature of when they're 18, because if you establish this 12 centuries ago, why is 18 an important number? I also was thinking, like, that's, like, such a huge betrayal, and there's no way they've just been getting away with doing that to teenage girls for centuries. Like, the most spiteful demographic in the world. That's, yeah. <laughs> like, really going to make you feel the wrath for betrayal. <laughs> and they're also perfectly capable of of, make, of uh, administering their own justice. Exactly. <laughs> I was like, they've just been doing this to all these teenage girls? Yeah. No way. <laughs> I get the feeling that not a lot of Slayers make it to their 18th birthday. They did kind they of They didn't kind of imply like that, that yeah. this episode. He was like, if she lives that long. And also, like, I don't know. I don't know that Kendra would have been that upset about it if it had happened to her. Yeah, I think that the Giles-Buffy relationship is kind of not normal. And they make that super clear in this episode. Yeah, but like, think about Faith. She would have. No, I like, think sure, there f- are some women you could get away with doing it yeah. to. Faith would have but, tore the whole house down. Yeah. Unless she went through it already. Well, no. So this is where I, this episode, I think, is how it shows that Buffy is definitely older than Faith. Because I think Faith would have been like, dude, your birthday is coming up. Just wait. Here's a heads up. She hasn't been around for like three episodes. I know, but I still feel like. Maybe yeah. she would have given her a heads up. Or at least she would have been more distrustful of watchers. Yeah. I mean, Buffy didn't do anything. That's true. She she would have given her a heads up, I guess, if she was 18. Yeah. yeah. But Buffy didn't do anything to him. I mean, she told him to get out of town before she got her strength back. But that's because his her mother was put in jeopardy. Yeah, but she she still felt very betrayed, especially by Giles. And if the dude... Quentin, is that what you said his name was? Mm-hmm. If he wasn't there and said that like they had too close of a father-daughter relationship, which clearly put Buffy's mind more at ease about it, she would never have forgiven Giles. And it would be this thing that just lives on in her forever. Yeah. So it's not about Quentin as much as I think the Slayer-Watcher relationship that would be in jeopardy from doing this to every Slayer. Well, and I think the whole point is for Watchers and Slayers to not get close. I mean, I get that. But I also think it's not inevitable, but I think a lot of them are going to wind up that way. Yeah. When you work that closely with someone. Giles also said that now that Buffy knows about the test, it's invalidated and she doesn't have to do it anymore. So it's possible that the Slayers just never find out that it's the Watchers who did that to them. It's possible, but I feel like that's a hard secret to keep. Well, in order for them to to not think that their Watcher was in on it, they would need to not know that the watcher like guild or whatever did it like they couldn't have orchestrated it yeah they couldn't know that or she would know that it's possible that they don't ever find out i mean quentin congratulated her at the end and it seemed like that's normally how it goes i guess maybe maybe he just did that because because she knew knew that she knew maybe maybe it's hard i don't like i don't like writing that in for the for the show yeah yeah they should have made that a little bit clearer i guess but this is the first time we've really gotten i mean this season i guess more than necessarily this episode we've gotten a lot more on the watchers council than we have in the past we have we've been getting a lot more lore behind the slayers and the watchers and like what what that system is this is the first time we've seen other people though 
from, yeah. from the organization. I mean, I get that it's for me this episode. I settled my opinion on the Watchers Council. Yeah. They're bad guys. Yeah. I also feel that good way. guys don't don't set up life or death tests to test someone's cunning and then if you fail you you die and that's the intent. Their intent is to not waste more time on you than they have to. They're also pretty nonchalant about the idea of these girls just dying before they're yeah. 18. They they would rather have another like a 14-year-old girl or a 16-year-old girl become the slayer and then then waste time on someone they don't think is cunning enough. I think that's pretty fucked up. Also kind of weird given that they're perfectly willing like they obviously want to be in control of the war against evil things, but wouldn't it be easier to control a slayer that's not cunning and use her as a weapon? Probably, yeah. Probably, yeah. But there's a vampire in the box. Yeah, when it was like thrashing around and you could hear him like growling and shit, I thought they were going to open and the real veil was going to be that they captured Oz. Oh, that would have been interesting. Yeah. And then it was just like some vampire and I was like, oh, (laughs) all right. Super evil vampire who's taking some pills. I don't really know what those pills were supposed to be for. Uh, I think they were antipsychotic. Were they? Yeah. Yeah. They never said that, but based on his backstory and his like need to actually take them. Yeah, they said that he is like an asylum, right? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he was a serial killer before he was turned into a vampire. And then it shows Buffy and her friends researching the library, even though Giles isn't helping them at all. And Oz and Xander have a DC off. They sure do. (laughs) Did that fill you with joy? No, Superman sucks. Oh, (laughs) But for what it's worth, I didn't know who was right, but I was guessing it would be Oz. And the only kryptonite I know other than the green one is the pink one, which makes him gay, which is super offensive. What a nutty fucking I knew about red kryptonite and green kryptonite. I just thought it was cool to see Xander and Oz kind of bonding a little bit Mm -hmm. in a nerdy capacity that I thought you'd appreciate. I did. I looked it up. Oz is right. Gold is the one that drains his power. Okay. Both pre and post crisis. Did you look up what the one Xander was talking about did? He said red, and it it changed based on what you were reading or watching. Mm. Also, I don't think green would have been a terrible metaphor here, because green slowly poisons you and, like, makes him, or slowly poisons a Kryptonian and, like, makes them weak, and over a long, long period of exposure kills him, which probably would have also happened to Buffy if <laughs> Giles just kept yeah. drugging her forever. I agree, because I think you can see that she's getting progressively weaker and weaker. Yeah. To the point where she's weaker than a regular person. Yeah. It really threw me off, the scene when she's, like, walking home. Yeah, me too. In my head, I was like, I feel like she should still be able to fight those guys. Like, even just through, like, the rigorous training she does, even if she doesn't have her powers, like, she should just have the fighting skills I think- and... I built up muscle to do it. I felt that way about pretty much this entire episode. I don't agree because they show her missing with the knives. It's not just that she's weaker. It's that her coordination is all fucked up. So I don't think she'd be able to execute the the maneuvers she usually does. That's true. And later when Giles reveals that there's a muscle relaxer in it, I I felt like it made a little bit more sense. I thought it was just some mystical shit that took yeah. away her powers like when, I, when was, I had that thought if she was still throwing knives fine even semi-accurately like yeah. but they, they kind of showed that we jumped ahead a little okay. bit yeah. yeah we can go like, back wait Sorry. a minute we were just kind of talking about 
the philosophy of the episode instead of like a specific scene. Yeah, we we no. skipped a scene or two. Uh, right now, we should be on the scene. I think where the one of the guys has to go feed the pills to the vampire, and he gets killed. Yeah, fucking idiot. I wrote Watchers is dumb. I just wrote idiot. <laughs> That's all that really happens there, though, is he just gets eaten. Well, he gets turned. He gets but... turned, but we think he's just getting eaten. Let's yeah. open the chest and then go get the water. Even I know. though we know that we're going to have to go and get water. Or open it and when he asks for pills, close it again. Yeah. And go get the water. Like, or just on. stake him and don't do this whole stupid test. Well, that's neither here nor there. <laughs> yeah. And then also like taking a step closer because he won't take the pills. Like when he's like, oh, I can't. I can't see him. Where are they? Be like, oh, that sucks. You're not getting them. He's and clearly close, taking close. these pills a zillion times. Yeah. Like, like, you close the box, be like, when you're ready to cooperate, I'll give them to you next yeah. time. Put some soundproofing on the box. <laughs> like, who gives a shit? Yeah. Fuck him. He's also, not only is a vampire, but he is a worthless piece of shit before he was a vampire. Fuck this guy. Yeah. Also, maybe bring more than two guys. Well, <laughs> there are so many ways to make this a better plan. <laughs> Twelve centuries of being idiots. Yeah. <laughs> then it's just a Buffy visiting Angel, and he gives her a special gift. And she doesn't like it. Was it? Do we know what book it was? No. All right. I didn't see at least. I mean, I'm sure if you had read the book, you would recognize it. Yeah. There was enough on screen to show you, but I don't know what it was. He gives her the book Sonnets from the Portuguese from 1850. It's a collection of 44 love sonnets written by Elizabeth Barrett Browning. Yeah, if she didn't have shit going on, I feel like she would have liked that. I think so, too. Yeah, I would have liked like, it. What's going on? And she's like, well, you're not going to love me anymore because I'm losing my powers. Yes. And then he con- confesses to her that he loved her before she had her powers. Which is weird. She was like. Like, I know it's probably what she needed to hear, but I was like, that's weird. I wouldn't yeah, say that. <laughs> she was like 15. I wrote, why is everyone lying to Buffy? <laughs> like, Giles is hiding shit from Buffy. Angel, like, I feel like. Like, it would have been normal for him to be like, I know it's kind of weird, but I was stalking you before you were the slayer. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think he should have given her more context because we all know that he wasn't stalking her. He was being shown her because he's talking about the flashback we saw Mm. in season two. You're right. I mean, it's still weird. It is still weird. Even knowing the story behind it. Like, I think to tell anyone I saw you... From over there, and I already loved you is a weird thing to say. It's kind of weird. Yeah, and he uses a gross metaphor to do it. I also don't it's think gross it's... gross if it's taken literally. <laughs> I don't think it's any worse that he was eyeballing this 15-year-old when a year later... He was eyeballing fine. this 16-year-old? Yeah, it's yeah. fine for the 200-year-old guy a year later. Like, <laughs> I agree, but we have spent a lot of time on this podcast talking about how weird their age difference is. Yeah. I'm going to put my two cents on top of that pile. Fair enough. I do have a quote from that scene that we've already alluded to, but he gives her the heart metaphor and she says, that's beautiful or taken literally incredibly gross. I was just thinking thinking that. that. I was just thinking that too. (laughs) So anyways, (laughs) dude's a vampire now. I didn't catch on which one was Blair and which one was Watson. I think Blair. Blair's the the one that got turned. And I'm not even sure that Watson is actually what his name was, but it was something like that. I know know that they killed him. Yeah. 
they ate him. Yeah. Dinner. For dinner. And Giles goes there and realizes that he escaped. Dun, dun, dun. I really liked when Giles was there. Yeah. He was walking into all the rooms. In one of the rooms, he opens the door. And he reaches over here for the light switch, and it's not there. <laughs> then he goes, oh, and he goes over here and switches like, it. One of the most relatable things. I know. <laughs> I was like, I'm so glad that they did that, because that made it feel so real. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. I, I do remember looking at it and being like, Giles, the light switch is on that side. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, he should just know that. Like, they just sent, they just yeah. sent the actor in to, like... <laughs> This is first the yeah. first take. It might have been. <laughs> it might have been. Either way, it was. I'm glad they left it in. It was an awesome decision. Whether it was on the acting side or the directing side, it was correct. <laughs> but he he realizes that the vampire has escaped and freaks out. No. So he drops his stake before he's out right? of the house, and I'm like, Giles. <laughs> I I wrote the Winchesters would be proud. <laughs> do they do that too they just drop their weapons all the time I've never noticed every time someone like flicks their wrist they drop their weapons I haven't watched that show in a long fucking time <laughs> then, then it's the scene where, where the guys are catcalling Buffy yeah and which she also couldn't, she asking couldn't... a 16 year old how much for lap dance not okay or yeah. <laughs> I guess she's 18 it's still not okay but yeah, and maybe it's like a reflection of how different society is today, but I don't feel like two random dudes are just going to catcall a girl by being like, how much for a lap dance? Like, I, I don't know how realistic that was in the 90s, but there was definitely a lot of stuff like that I, on TV in the I 90s. I definitely sure. think that that's similarly likely yeah. now as it was then. Like, like you going downtown, I, you get catcalled and stuff, but it's not like quite that blatantly aggressive right out the maybe gate. Maybe not do randomly you? in Sunnydale, but I do think that like the show's not portraying it as like a normal thing. I, it's like a a bad thing. Well, yeah. It's possible that like it's just because I'm a male and not affected by it, but I don't think I've ever seen a girl get catcalled downtown. I've never personally seen it. But. Yeah. That's because if you if either one of you are around, they're less likely to do it. That's fair. Anyway, then Buffy runs into the vampire. And she yep. runs away the way I would run away. <laughs> I was Honestly, that's not a bad thing, though. She very, did pretty good. Very bad. She she shed the jacket. She juked the second guy and yeah. actually got distance and screamed consistently. Help, help, help. Yeah. Like good Granted, on Buffy. They do say you should not yell help. Really? Yeah. If a vampire is chasing. If you? anything, if you're in danger, help is not what to yell because most people hear the word help and think. They need to leave, but if you yell something like fire, um, someone's more likely to come try to help or call someone for help. Interesting. I don't. Wow. I, that's a study I've heard referenced a few times. I guess I don't know how accurate it is now that I'm saying it, but I it's a thing I've heard a few times. I would not be super surprised if that was a real thing. It's just kind of sad. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, if you're in danger, help is not the word you want to yell. It makes sense. Yell fire or or I don't remember what the other one was, but. There was another thing they were like something to get people to to call call a number, you know, exactly like call they're screaming call nine one one or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this is the scene that made me realize that Buffy's weaker than a regular eighteen year old girl because she can't climb a fence. 
But I wouldn't be able to either, and that's why I liked it. I'm also weaker than your average 18-year-old girl. Buffy is a a fit 18-year-old girl. I don't think, especially with adrenaline, like she didn't even even try to pull herself up over the fence, and the chain-link fence in particular has quite a lot of perches. Like as a child, I, I could climb, I think, any height chain-link fence. Yeah, but I think she had an easier time fitting in that hole than he did. Yeah. So it might have been the right call to go that way instead because he would have a harder time following that Only path. if you do that first. I was going to say, the problem is she <laughs> tried to climb it first. Oh, I guess. She tried to climb and failed, and then there's luckily for her a hole in the fence. Then Giles saves her. Yep. And takes her to the library where he confesses everything. And she feels the exact amount of betrayal I would expect her to. Yeah. Yeah. The exact amount of betrayal anyone would feel in that situation. I don't know that I'd ever get over that. I don't think I would either. And then Cordelia shows up as the best fucking comic relief for this high tension scene. Not (laughs) only that, though, like, like we need to talk about Cordelia in this scene because I know Dean isn't her biggest fan. She's a lot better at this point in the show than she is in season one. She did Buffy such a solid in this scene because we have to think about where Cordelia is coming from. Like we're only a couple episodes away from the wish where she was like, Buffy is the reason for all of my problems. And she doesn't even remember the alternate universe where she realized like that Buffy was actually not the reason for all of her problems. Yeah. So she doesn't have warm, fuzzy feelings for Buffy. But as soon as she like can sense that Buffy's not okay, and Buffy just like, asks her will you take me home without missing a beat she's just like of course yeah yeah that was a good friend and she yeah move. she still plays up the like the character she puts on but was still being a real friend yeah i think at this point in the show she's more or less a regular person she's yeah. not yeah. like but she still puts on like this air, yeah you know what i mean she she has this expectation she feels i think an expectation to be the popular kind of mean girl but i think when push comes to shove she'll drive buffy home or help save the world or whatever i did just all her dialogue that scene i loved though just the normalization of all the weird shit that goes on and how she's like trying to guess what's happening she's like (laughs) did she lose her memory it's giles (laughs) (laughs) if the world's ending i'm not gonna study for this paper yeah (laughs) and then if the world ends i need a note (laughs) great scene 10 out of 10 it was it was good then Buffy's mom is just sitting at the kitchen table doing stuff and she hears something at the door. So she goes outside to investigate. Yeah. She goes outside fully before she sees what she thinks is Buffy on the ground. And that bothered me because she's now aware. She should know that there's a certain amount of safety. There's a hard line at the threshold of your house. Yeah, but I have no faith in Joyce to learn, so I'm not surprised. <laughs> I might still be a little mad at her for the last episode, but yeah. I don't have any notes between that and her being at the dude's house. Yeah, no, or she, just, they she just gets abducted and it shows him they're back in the place where he was originally tied up and he has her tied up and is like telling her about how bad his mom was. Yeah, I think this scene was a riff on Silence of the Lambs, wasn't it? I have never seen Silence of the Lambs. Oh. I don't remember in enough detail what his mom did. 
in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. No, I just meant the scene, like her being tied up to the chair and he's just making her listen to him. Mm. And like just vetting his problems and shit. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Silence of the Lambs is the movie where they did that originally. But he reveals his plan to Joyce and us. His plan is to turn Buffy into a vampire. And then eat Joyce's and have face. have her eat Joyce first. And then he was like, I have a problem with mothers. Clearly. I would he too. He says if, he knows. If my yeah, mom, he's like, I'm aware of that. <laughs> if my mom cut off what I'm assuming was my balls, I'd be very upset. Yeah. I'd never get over that either. Totally fair. Is that what he was inferring? She cut. He said something along the lines of she cut off something really important to me or something like that. And seems like he's got all his digits in his ears. I didn't quite catch that implication, but I believe you that it was there. I just didn't. He said she took the scissors when he was like 10 years old. And he talked about how she tried. She didn't have any self-respect. So she tried to take his. Oh, OK. Yeah, that makes sense. She took something with the scissors. Yeah. Okay, that absolutely makes sense. That would affect his self-respect. And then Buffy gets there. Well, she gets yes. home first, I guess. Yeah, she gets home and sees the Polaroid that he left her. Yep. It just says, come on the back. That's hilarious. Like a selfie. With her, like, <laughs> I'm like choking her out and he's all stoked behind her. Yeah. I cracked up when I saw <laughs> Really still haven't forgiven Joyce for last episode. That's just a funny picture. <laughs> And whoever that was, I would have laughed. <laughs> but then Giles tells Quentin what he did and and about how the vampire escaped. And Quentin basically is like, well, the Slayer's already there. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why, but she showed up. So the test is happening. <laughs> Giles is like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And he goes, he's like, I'm going to go help her. And Quentin's like, I don't remember what he says, but I do have written down. This is not business from Giles. Yeah. I like, or I think he says like, it's bad business to go help her. Yeah, something like that. The what's the dude's name? Quentin. Mm-hmm. He calls it the field of play, like it's a mm-hmm. sport. Mm-hmm. Like you fucking cut. Then Buffy shows up at that yeah. place, and she like goes to shoot the secondary vampire guy, and she, I was like, she doesn't even have good aim. Like what? Yeah. I really that, like that was consistent earlier when she couldn't throw the knives. I know, but I don't like it. I think I just, a crossbow would be easier and it was super close range, but at the same time, there's some precedent for it at least. Yeah. yeah. But I did like that when she goes into the house, she props the door open. Instead of, instead of letting it latch shut, she quietly props it open. I liked yeah. that too. Cunning. As soon as the test was about cunning, I was looking for cunning. <laughs> Yeah, and so she beats the crap out of him since she can't shoot him with a crossbow. And she drops a bookshelf on him. Yeah. And leaves. Yeah, and I was like, there's no way that's going to kill him. Not cunning. Yeah. (laughs) I think the implication was that that just took care of him, but I don't understand why. Yeah, Yeah, well, it didn't. I don't get why. It didn't take care of him. Yeah, because she has to fight him after the fact. Oh, no, Giles Giles fights him. him. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Because I was definitely thinking that the whole time. I was like, I don't feel like he's dead. See, you're weak, not stupid. Yeah. (laughs) Stake him. Then Buffy and his name was Kralik. Uh, Zachary Zachary Kralik is what Giles called him. They play hide and seek. Zachary with a K, too. Yeah. And there's a lot of... (laughs) There's a lot of Little Red Riding Hood references in this episode. Like, Zachary Zachary Kralik had a thing for Little Red Riding Hood. 
I, I noticed a few of them. I didn't feel like there was like a lot, but I do remember there being references to Little Red Riding Hood. Yeah, it just was interesting, so I just noted that. Probably due to the fact that he is psychologically unwell. Probably. I just I feel like stereotypically in, and in he, stuff, people reference fairy tales when they're not mentally together. Because you say that, I'm remembering now that he took a red hoodie from Buffy. Yeah, and oh, then yeah, like disguised himself to trick her mom and stuff. Huh. Weird. That felt like a little Red Riding Hood. Yeah. It didn't occur to me until you said that, but yeah. Same. Weird. And then he was like, What goodies did you bring to grandma's house or whatever? Which like was when I was like That one I caught. There's two of them and that feels like that's not a lot, but it's weird that there's two. (laughs) (laughs) She runs through a room with Polaroids all over the walls. So many Polaroids. (laughs) Well you see him taking the pictures. Yeah. Yeah, but not not 300 of them. Yeah. He like, had to replace the film in that camera a few times. Yeah, numerous times. That said, all I could think is Buffy should steal them because they're the one thing he can't replace. <laughs> oh, John Mulaney. <laughs> I don't think he's going to be missing them after this, though. He's not. She goes down a garbage chute or laundry chute into the basement, and that's where mom is. That's where mom is. Mother. She yeah. tries to I really save liked. Her. The way this played out, the way she like the dude came down and Buffy just tried to sneak out behind him all quiet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that was clever. Yes. And then he turned around and caught her and then put, poured the holy water in his glass so he could take his pills. Which was clever. But at the same time, how how did you have the time to do it? And the, the wherewithal, you there happened to be a glass there and you were thinking that like. I mean, she knew that he was after pills, right? Yeah, but but he didn't seem to give a shit about the water at when she's seen him trying to take the pills the first time. I guess that's true. It was a really cunning plan to the point, but so cunning to the point where I was like, you kind of gave that to her a little bit in the writing. Yeah. I don't know, but this is my favorite kind of victory in the yeah. end of an episode. Is it, was, it was when they actually outsmart the bad guy. It's a small just, gripe. Yeah. Instead of just having more willpower or whatever right. bullshit. Just or another, just another classic Slayer victory. Yeah. So I, I was a big fan of that. The Watcher Council is looking for hires. If I was at full Slayer power, I'd be punning right about now. I like that a lot, too. And then, and then I just have Giles gets the other vampire. Because she's trying to untie Joyce and she doesn't have the strength to do it. And then he comes crashing in and Giles comes crashing in after him. And then they're at the library... And Quentin is congratulating her. And she says, do I get a gold star? Not having his shit. No. no. And then he fires Giles. Yeah, Giles. For caring about his Slayer too much. Mm-hmm. And he reveals that Buffy's going to get a new watcher. And that Giles can't interfere. And then they're back at Buffy's place. And Joyce is proud of how smart Buffy, <laughs> Buffy was. And everyone's making some sandwiches. But Willow can't get over the fact that Giles got fired. <laughs> I have Xander. You're not cruising past that anytime soon, are you? <laughs> and then he tries to open the peanut butter for Buffy <laughs> and can't. Yeah. And he asks Willow. <laughs> okay. Will, give me a hand with that. Because he was like, sometimes you need a big, strong man. And then he's like, Willow, <laughs> will you help me with this? And then that's the episode. I liked it all right. At this point, I wrote, Watchers are for sure evil. Like the Jedi, war has corrupted them. I would have to see them before the war to know that I agree with that. (laughs) Maybe they're corrupt the whole time. Pop quiz time. Want to launch right in? Okay. 
Question number one. Where did Buffy's game go? I'm sorry, what? She tells Giles her game is gone. And then she says, it's in. Oh, I don't remember. <laughs> Give me that look. Do you remember where it went? No. It's in Cornavaca. I don't know what that is. I assume it's like a country. That is what she said. Cornavaca is a, is a place in Mexico. Oh. Good boy. What's question two? Is Angelus worse than Kralik? Yeah. Yeah. Even though Kralik was like a serial killer turned into a vampire? Yeah. Angelus is smart. <laughs> Way more dangerous. I mean, it's possible Kralik's worse and we just don't see it. But according to the lore of the TV show, Angelus is the worst. <laughs> right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Is and like, they know about Zachary Krillick. Is he really the worst? Like, because the way that they make it sound is Angelus is the worst because he finds so much joy in the killing. But like Kralik also found so much joy in it. Like he it wasn't going to just kill Buffy. He was going to turn her and make her kill her mother. To, right. Like her her mother. But Kralik is predictable. He's going to do stuff. To harm mothers because he has this weird problem. Whereas Angelus is intelligent and and erratic in that he'll kill whoever's innocent and he'll go all over the place. He'll leave if he needs to. He's hard to catch, so he's way more of a threat. So in that way, I think he's worse because he's way more likely to be able to continue to do the evil shit. Whereas Kralik has already been captured Okay. Before he's even a problem here. Like he he shouldn't have even been able to do all this stuff because the watchers caught him. For what it's worth, I think that it's possible Angelus is just farther along the evil scale because he's killed more people. Like serial killer. I think you get the serial killer de- designation after like four or five murders. Yeah. And like Angelus, we know, has killed a lot more people than that. We don't know how many acrylic has killed. I yeah. think but you it's, are a serial killer if I don't know that you have to have a certain quantity of murders other than having more than one, but they all have to have a similar theme, a signature like like you. The the reason why you're killing follows a fantasy or mm. or something that continues making it like a serial show. That's fair. I, it's irrelevant to my point, though, because I was just saying like there's like. If he's killed two people and they classify him as a serial killer because they involved his weird thing with mothers. Yeah. Like that's two murders, which once again, Angelus has committed more than that on screen. Hundreds of years. Yeah. So I think 150 years of being an evil bastard. (laughs) I, I don't think there's hard evidence, but I think it's easy to infer that Angelus has probably done more and worse things than Krillick. Okay. That's fair. I was just I wanted to ask that question because they called Angelus the most evil vampire, the worst vampire to ever exist. And so that makes any other vampire subject to comparison for him, in my opinion. And so I just wanted that. Yeah, I think that's fair. See What you think? It is fair because I kind of agree with you. Like, obviously, Angelus does way more damage to Buffy. So we can just imagine what he does to other people. Well, you can definitely. You don't even have to imagine. <laughs> Good Drew. I was going to yeah. say, consider the fact that Drusilla is the result of Angelus's actions. Yeah. Like, well, 
that's what made me think about it is Kralik kind of was planning to hurt Buffy's mother the way Angel hurt Drusilla or like the way he had the stuff planned for Buffy and her mom reminded me of the way Angel had plans for Drusilla. Yeah, but Angel's plans are a lot more intricate and drawn out. Yeah. He he will if he's interested in you, he will make sure you witness every person you are close to yeah. dying. Krillick didn't give a fuck about that. He didn't like that you had a mom. So he wants you to kill your own mom. Like that's way less like it's still terrible, but that's way less psychological damage in comparison. Yeah, I think he's he's so focused on his own trauma that it narrows his his evil the, his, yeah the scope of his evil whereas angel and jealous is is intelligent enough and so, something enough to be able to like accurately tell what's going to hurt you the most as opposed to giving him what some specific fantasy he wants to fulfill. Angel's fantasy is just to cause you the most pain and he's able to accurately tell for each individual what's going to cause them the most pain. Yeah. I so agree. the damage is just worse. Okay. I think that's fair. Question number three. We already know Dean's answer, but Stosh, how did you feel about the council and did you feel they had a point about Giles and how close he was to Buffy? No, they're fucking dick bags. <laughs> I'm not interested in them continuing any of their operations. I think they have a point, but I think they take it way too far. And I think that they undervalue the power of emotional connections like that. So there's, there is a point to like putting aside your emotional connect connections for the greater good, but they don't, they want their, them to just not exist. And I think that robs the slayer and their overall quote unquote war effort of an immense amount of motivation for their soldiers in the Slayers. So I, I think while they are an evil organization that's held out in power for themselves, there's some point to what they're saying, even though they execute it wrong and they take it way too far. Sure. I can agree with that. It's just interesting to me because like, if you're looking at it as like a military style thing, because Quentin even says, like, we're we're fighting a war, you know? So if you're looking for Buffy to be a strong warrior, it does, in a sense, make sense for them to push her limits and test her and, you know, guide her and do all this stuff. I wholeheartedly agree that this particular test goes too far because you don't want to just kill people. Well, it's counter to their own their own goals because it will destroy the loyalty of their soldiers for the the organization that they want them to fight for. Yeah. But I also think that there's kind of a point to the idea where like, if Giles doesn't have a clear head and is too emotionally like involved, saying involved makes it sound like it's romantic, but just like has a fatherly love for Buffy. I do think it could cause issues in his ability to lead her as the slayer. Yeah. If he's not able to, sacrifice Buffy if it's actually necessary then it's a problem mm -hmm. but I think he's shown time and time again that he can because he sends her to fight the master well no she knocks him out and goes to fight the master uh -oh. he tries to Ugh. get in her way uh, I, I still feel like Eat she, that he, Dean <laughs> yeah uh, fuck I still feel like he's he's willing to put her in danger he is willing he's to put her constantly in danger. letting her go and do things that are 
dangerous even for a slayer because he has to like he has to be able to do it but it's just like i'm pretty sure in the military like a father can't be in charge if his son is in that like infantry or whatever like sure you can't have emotional or relation like familial ties to someone you're working over because then there's bias there's inherent bias i feel like it's less prevalent in this situation because there's not like you're not comparing her to other soldiers. Right. You're not sending other soldiers in place of her. She's all you got. Right. Which so. And that's why it, it's different. <laughs> and I know it probably sounds like I'm talking in circles, but I'm trying to play devil's advocate while also still trying to state my opinions. But I just feel like I agree that the, the Watchers Council made a mistake in this. And I, I hate this test. And it doesn't make any sense to me why they would like do this because of like what you said about how there's too much risk of like loyalties being shattered. But at the same time, there does have to be a certain amount of like emotional withdrawnness if you're going to lead someone. I think this test is pretty clearly more for the watcher than it is for the slayer. I think that you could tell her this is the test and need to do it and she could do it voluntarily and it would serve it would not change the test at all for the Slayer. So it's really just for the Watcher. But the, I think that even if, if the Watchers think that it's to test for like overcommitment on the part of the Watcher to the Slayer, what it really is is to test whether or not they're more committed to the Watcher's counsel than to their own Slayer or their own morals. Mm. And I think that's where it's fucked up is because they're not, it's not, oh, you're too connected to her. You're too much of a father figure for the war effort. It's you're not that you don't blindly follow us. Yeah, you're not falling in line. I think that's a really good point, too. I agree 100 percent. I think I mean, first off, I just have a huge problem with the idea of them willy nilly throwing children's lives away. I agree. They just that accept too. that girls don't make it to 18 when they're slayers and they're like, oh, it sucks. That happens. Um, and if they're not cunning and then it was a good thing they died. Yeah. It honestly kind of reminds me of the rule of two when, when you were bringing it up earlier. Like they don't really look at them as people. They just want the strongest one available. So if she's not strong enough to pass this test, kill her. Yeah. You can start training the next one. Get another one. And then I, I personally understand the idea that they want blind obedience, but I don't think that that's okay or right. So I am pretty wholeheartedly against the watchers counts if well and when, i think giles sorry um, i think giles has a good point when he's talking to quentin he's like you guys aren't interacting with slayers you're following this old archaic tradition and as someone who's close to the slayer i don't know that this test is necessary and then quentin tries to turn around and be like you're just too close to it and it's like well sometimes you gotta be close to it to understand whether or not it's even necessary yeah, that was one of the reasons I wrote the quote down because I like I don't think traditions are inherently bad, but I think that we should look at them through a critical lens and decide if we needed them or if they were just some arbitrary thing started by a past generation that doesn't apply anymore. On the loyalty front, I think that if you require that kind of blind loyalty to the point where people can't question anything, then you kind of know that the cause you're fighting for isn't just and especially in this scenario where you're fighting literal evil and and literal like demons from hell you you shouldn't have to have blind loyal like 
you should be the obvious better choice. So if you want more effective, you know, soldiers in the watchers, then it makes sense to me. That you'd want them to be able to think critically and you wouldn't be worried about them switching sides because any critical thinker would just pick you over the alternative. I was going to say something similar to that, but you worded it way more elegantly than I would have. So yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, the other point I wanted to bring up is just that a lesson we have already learned in this show multiple times is that different people work different ways. Yeah. Usually, you know, when Kendra and Faith are around, I should say, or, but like, it's clear just that people work better in different circumstances. Buffy has always triumphed because of her friends and her relationships with the people around her so obviously that's a strength between her and giles but this council's not going to see it that way i and agree i think that if she was given someone else who was more militaristic and just blindly followed she would be a worse slayer for it which we see in the wish yeah exactly mm-hmm. i mean if if the watchers council like raised buffy and indoctrinated her that way i feel like it'd make more sense to want a specific thing, you know, to train her to do a specific role. But the way that they let them get raised in whatever culture they're in, wherever they are, and the watchers go to them, makes me think that they they should value the differences. Like, it doesn't make sense to me that if, if it was this big of a deal to you, you would leave it up to chance at all. Like, you would abduct these girls long yeah. before this like if you're like someone with no scruples like you would just just do that and and make them into these super soldiers and then the last question is what's the most 90s thing you noticed um a polaroid camera yeah, right. <laughs> those are coming back though are they mm-hmm. well i haven't seen them but i'll take your word for it i think polaroid counts I can't tell you the last time I saw or took a Polaroid. I'm not saying it's a bad 90s thing. Yeah. I'm just commenting that I, I think it's kind of cool yeah. that they're coming. I mean, a lot of I got 90s you. It just, friends are coming back. Yeah. It just felt like the obvious one to me. Yeah. So. Do you have one, Dean? I don't notice the 90s things for the most part. Okay. I guess the Cordelia went to the library to study out of books. Yeah. That's a, good that's one. a fair one. We And I already did mine, the mm-hmm. cat call thing. All right, character development. Our characters in order of appearance are Buffy, Angel, Giles, Xander, Willow, Oz, Joyce, Cordelia. And our new characters are Watson, Blair, Quentin, and Zachary Kralik. Dean, anybody you want to comment on? I think the obvious one's Buffy. I agree. Buffy goes through a lot. Let down by her dad. She was let down by her fake dad. She was weakened physically. She was physically violated. She was physically violated. The only by good... her father figure. Yeah. The only good thing that happened to Buffy was that she had Angel. And I don't know that that's really a good thing. <laughs> it might have felt good, but it probably wasn't super healthy given that it can't go anywhere. I think that a super interesting thing towards Buffy this episode was that we learned how much of her identity to her is being the Slayer. She went into a real existential crisis upon losing her powers, not just because like, she wasn't strong anymore, but she doesn't know what she's going to do with her life without him. Yeah. And like, it's a good she, point. She even said to Angel, like, how are you going to love me anymore? I'm not the Slayer anymore. So mm-hmm. like, it's clearly a huge part of her self-esteem. 
And even when Willow was like, this could open up so many possibilities, she like couldn't really hear her because she was so, like, she saw Giles come in and she was like, did you he- did you find out anything? Because she's so desperate to get those powers back. We talked about Buffy a lot during the summary, but she's definitely the important, like an important one. Yeah, I just, usually I feel like we just kind of call out moments in character development, but this was actual real development. Yeah. So I felt like it was the real important one to get out of the way. Yeah. Um, I think the other one we could maybe talk about is Giles. Giles had a huge crisis of existence this episode. Giles had to pick his loyalties, and even though he messed up horribly, and it might, in my opinion, it should be pretty irrevocably, but at the end, he did choose Buffy over the Watcher's Council he grew up with. Um, I do think when it comes to stuff like that also... The intent matters, and it's mm-hmm. very clear that he did regret it. Like it's still a horrible violation, yeah. and not okay. But I think the fact that he didn't want to do it is grounds to at least make it forgivable. Yeah, I don't think that it's going to be something where she can just forgive him right away, and all is all is fair in love and war. But I think that he definitely earned a little bit of redemption and and, and deserves a chance. I I think. You, we're getting to a level of of betrayal that is so deep that to to just say that it's forgivable or not, like at this point, anything is technically forgivable. But it, but what what I think distinguishes it is that if Buffy were to choose to never forgive him, it would be understandable. I agree, and I think that's mm-hmm. that's the threshold we've passed. That I where I'm coming from saying it's unforgivable. Like yeah. she is absolutely under no obligation to forgive him, and I don't think she necessarily should. I just think that there are redeeming parts of it that make it to where at least if I was in that situation, at least he's I would not unjealous. <laughs> yeah. Well I just, I just like I said, intent matters. If he wanted to do it or was just blindly like, Yeah, this is what I have to do, deal with it, I think that's very different than what we actually got. Well, yeah. And and let's think about the way Giles was a few episodes ago in Revelations when Buffy hid the fact that Angel was back and Giles was like, he tortured me and you didn't respect me enough to tell me he was back and how big of a deal he made that. And now here we are. And he's he's not only keeping secrets from her, but he's the the perpetrator. So. I don't know. Is it is there a little bit of a double standard there on his part? I don't think so. I think it's only a double standard if going forward he doesn't like seek actively seek redemption. I think the difference there is that Buffy held the secret because she was afraid of his reaction and thought she was doing something wrong. He kept it a secret because he was being made to. Hmm. Okay, I think that's And fair. I think those are different enough situations to not be analogous. And like you said, intent does matter. So that's fair. Any other characters, really? I mean, we discovered Quentin and he sucks. Yes, Quentin does suck. R.I.P. to Watson and Blair. I don't think anyone else is really worth talking about unless you guys do. Honestly, like Xander, Willow, and Oz were in this episode, but they were very secondary. Yeah. We can, Cordelia. You kind of touched on Cordelia in terms of like overall character growth for a series. Yeah. 
I don't know if that's super relevant to the episode. Well, I that's part of what we're talking about in this section. Is not, It's not necessarily episode specific, but I do think that that scene with Cordelia in the library where she's like immediately got Buffy's back, even without like demanding to know what's going on. She did come in and say, oh, is the world ending? Nobody answered her. And when Buffy said, will you drive me home? She still said yes. Like she didn't say no, not until you give me answers or anything like that. Because she can read a room. Yeah. Yeah. I think Charisma Carpenter did a really good job of showing recognition that that something is wrong between the two of them and that she should just help and not say anything and potentially make it worse. I think she acted that very well. Yeah, I agree. So who's your Xander of the episode? My Xander? I didn't think about it. Let me look at the list again. Do you know who your Xander is? To clarify, the Xander is the character that we hate the most this episode. The character that did the worst or that you liked the least. It's definitely gotta be Giles. Yeah, it's Giles, hands down. I don't see how it could be anyone but Giles. I mean, that's a good point. (laughs) Giles was the disappointment. I think our other options are uh, Quentin. I would argue he was the villain of the episode, which is why I yeah I, I, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, we try not to give the Xander to the villain. So you like, could do like you could do off, off limits the catcalling guys or that dude who is harassing Cordelia. They didn't get names, so they don't count as characters for this. <laughs> I want to give it to Joyce, but I don't remember why. Is it because she stepped out of her house? <laughs> Just because Or is it Joyce? because she read Buffy's letter from her dad? It might be that she <laughs> Those are the letter. only two yeah. things she did this episode. The letter is what I was mad at her for. I was trying to remember why I was mad at her. I don't know that that's worse than drugging Buffy. <laughs> Here's why I don't want to give it to Giles. Okay. Basically everything we just talked about. That he was regretful in doing it. That he stopped and he told her what was going on and tried to make amends for it in the same episode. I'm not saying that it's okay that he did it, but the fact that he already turned around on it and is trying to fix the situation to the point of getting fired from being a watcher. I it makes me not want him want to give him my Xander. I think it was a compelling enough one episode story arc. That's totally fair. It is your Xander. I'm not. I think that the character was written well. Yeah. Like it was, it wasn't like bad writing or anything. It it made sense. So apparently that's a hill I'm going to die on. That's fine. Just like every other hill. (laughs) There's a lot of hills that Stosh will not. I will die on any hill. (laughs) Who's your Herbert? I mean, I'm probably just going to give it to Cordelia. I gave mine to Cordelia. I think we're unanimous on that. Cordelia? It's between her and Buffy for me, and I don't think Buffy... She endured a lot, but I don't think she, like... She wasn't your favorite this wasn't, Yeah, episode. this wasn't like a breakthrough episode for her. It was a trauma episode, whereas Cordelia showed a breakthrough. Like yeah. That. It's definitely Cordelia for me, hands down. No. For everything I've already said. Yeah. We've talked how great she is to the dirt, so... Yeah. Charisma Carpenter, we love you, if you are listening. (laughs) She's not. She didn't make it past the first couple episodes. Well, you don't know that. After character development. Analysis. Is it really analysis already? Holy crap. All right. We're an hour 45 in. What do you mean already? Character development just went really quick, I feel like. We've spent 20 minutes, I feel like, on the analysis, on character development and the pop quiz. 
Like I think I feel like I looked over at it and it was like an hour and twenty in when we switched stopped the. I don't know that pot this was really fucking long. It was. It's a true. very Buffy heavy episode. I don't think a lot of characters had character development to talk about. Yeah. So it just went quick. So obviously, a big part of this analysis is going to be loss of identity, because Buffy really went through that. But we also saw a lot of disappointment in father figures in this episode, and that I think was was really huge. Because not only did Giles betray her and let her down and like whether you feel like he intent matters or not, like it doesn't no, change I, the I fact know. that like like he has something he has to redeem himself for and her father let her down, dropped the ball, is choosing work over her. Like that's really what it is, is choosing between work and your children and and Hank chose work over her because Buffy's mom was like, he's really behind in the quarterly budget or something like yeah. that. And Giles was picking being a watcher over taking care of Buffy until he came to his senses. Yeah, I agree with that. So that was huge. What did you have for analysis? The one that really stuck out to me was the idea of questioning authority. Yeah. And like tradition and stuff. Just look at everything you do with a critical eye and... Is there a reason we do it this way or is it? Any final thoughts on this episode in general? I guess like vampire stomachs do work. Vampire stomachs do work. Yeah. We've talked before about how like can they eat? Can they drink? Whatever. And uh, pills is another good example of their digestive system still working like a human's. That's true. I never thought about that. Truth. That's my only final thought I had. But it was just something I thought about during the episode. I mean they can drink booze and stuff too so it's not new information. Yeah. Mental illnesses persist after vampiric transformation. All right. Well, we'll dive into the Thurs debate then. I believe we covered Lover's Walk last episode. So we're going to cover the wish. And the question for the wish was, which minor character did you like the most this episode? 50% said Harmony. 0% said Jonathan, 33% said Larry, and 17% said Amy, the honorable mention, because her name got used, which is wrong. Jonathan should have gotten like 88% of those votes. But I think my vote went to Harmony, didn't it? It did. Well, I didn't vote on the thing, but in the episode I said that. Yeah, Harmony was your person in the episode. Well, did we get any emails or messages? Uh, we did get an Instagram message. We got another message from Bree Mutations. She sent us a link to the Hellmouth collection, which is a nail polish. Oh, no, sorry. It's a fragrance house based in Fort Worth, Texas, and they just came out with a Hellmouth collection of their fragrances, and there's a bunch of different perfumes, I guess. That's cool. Yeah. Well, if you would like to be like Brie Mutations and reach out to us, you can do so through email at jimscancelledpod at gmail.com, or you can reach us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at jimcancelledpod. Dean, is there anything you would like people to know about? In the Fellowship of the Ring, when Boromir dies, Aragorn sheds a single tear, and I think that was really moving. Hell yeah. (laughs) Jess, where can people reach you? You can reach me online at any of our socials because I am the one that will be responding to you. Or you can find me on Instagram at tiaras.and.books where I talk about all things bookish. 
Stosh, where can people find you? On Twitter or Instagram at Nisnaur. N-I-S-S-N-A-U-R. Perfect. And then our next episode is season three, episode 13, The Zeppo. The Zeppo. Stosh, do you have any predictions? That's the Zeppo, I think. Star Wars. <laughs> it's also like thinking of that. Ancient race of force wielding aliens. Ooh, maybe. That's definitely what's going to come up. Jedi Survivor 3. Yeah. Come on. From 1999. <laughs> I think we're in 99 by now. Uh, Actually, I'm almost positive we are. I think I looked it up for something during one of our recent episodes. Wow. I, I'm allowed to look up what year the show I'm watching came out. You could get spoilers. I'm not going to get spoilers from looking up what year an episode came out. Yes, 1999. This episode came out January 19th, 1999. Probably a men's that I looked it up for. Yeah, we just crossed into 1999. Any other predictions? No, no real ones. All right. Well, we will find out if there's any Star Wars crossovers when we watch that episode. And until then, stay sunny, Slayers. want to start us off on where we you didn't take those kinds of notes did you nope <laughs> do, do other guests take these kinds of notes sometimes stosh why don't you kick us off should see my quote game it's fucking worthless <laughs> that's okay